this is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Bitcoin Focus Show. Okay, the previous one Bitcoin show, I was talking about a certain crypto dividend. And all of a sudden, in the live chat, Richard Hart shows up to talk about that certain crypto dividend. He wanted to come on the show. I couldn't get him on the show because here in Adelaide, the internet is horrible. And I have it set up in a way with the horrible YouTube configuration currently that I can't just get someone on the show in the middle. And someone asked in the chat, um, I want to see when Richard was on your show beforehand when he was on This Week in Bitcoin. Well, he's been on twice. And once I'm back in Baltimore, if he wants to come on in the middle of the show, I'll have it set up correctly. But here by, you know, requested by the people here, you get it. This is highlights from September the 8th, 2017, when Richard Hart was on the This Week in Bitcoin show. You'll hear him talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum and all sorts of interesting things. And there is a special at the beginning and the end of the show. Rocky Palumbo makes an appearance, okay, with some words of wisdom. But he was also on that This Week in Bitcoin show back on September uh, the 8th of 2017 that original is linked below to below if you want to watch it pound that like button enjoy bitcoin focus bye um you know wall street has a saying about people investing in stuff they don't know about they call it dumb money and i would have to say there's a lot of dumb money in the crypto space richard did i interrupt you continue richard sorry so i i look at I look at problems as binary. You can either deal with them now or you'll have to deal with them later and they'll be worse. So the best time to kill a monster is when it's young and weak. And the larger you let the monster get, the, the, less and, the more and more reluctant you are to deal with it. I mean, to give you an inflammatory example, North Korea had no nukes and no way to deliver them. Now they have nukes. Now they're working on ways to deliver them. And if you chart that that out, do you wanna do you wanna wait until you can't intervene? Or do you wanna like intervene? Now, if you watch Noam Chomsky's position on it, he says that they America derives some benefit from what's going on. And the analysis is so advanced that I can't do it justice here. But but my point is that Ethereum is going to crash. And you can either do it now with less pain for everybody, or you can do it later with more pain. So I made a funny image uh, with uh, Ethereum as like the queen, uh, the queen alien, and then pumping out little egg drone ICO aliens that you know grow up and attack. And so you can like either if you kill the queen, it kind of gets rid of some of those other problems. Now that's not to say, like I support having an ERC twenty analog on Bitcoin through something like rootstock or equivalent, because if we're gonna have people making stupid mistakes and doing stupid things, it's better that they do those stupid things and stupid mistakes on a more secure system. So at least they're not losing $50 million to poorly implemented multi-sig or enable to transact because Geth and Parity disagree on the state of the network because those design decisions are not getting fixed. So if, if everyone in the world's gonna be stupid, then let's have them stupid on a more secure system. So I think as soon as Bitcoin rolls out side chains through drivechain.info with Paul Stork uh, Sports or uh, through uh, Rootstock with, uh, you know, basically smart contracts on Bitcoin, either one of those 
should be truly damaging to Ethereum. And, and even Tezos, if Tezos works and has uh, verifiable, formally verifiable smart contracts that are less buggy, you'll still have bugs outside your test cases, but at least for what you can test, it'll be formally proven great. Even that kills Ethereum. So uh, I don't, I think the project's the worst, not the worst, but bad. So I'll, I'll just start off with the most terrifying figure is that if you chart all the Bitcoin wallets that you can identify in the blockchain, it's all publicly available. There's something like 5.1 million that have over a dollar and that's it. So that means one of two things, either there's only 5.1 million users, which is obviously not true. I think Coinbase has 20 million, some number of millions on their own. And that's just one single American exchange. So what is much more likely the case is that many holders and purchasers of Bitcoin don't hold their own keys and instead have funny money, fiat, IOU, credit tokens on an exchange, which is fun and games until the exchange fails or has regulatory problems or is hacked, which I believe is an inevitability. I believe with 100% certainty, every exchange will be hacked always because it's the most profitable hack anyone can perform if you assign value to like not having to hide the money. If you like do normal criminal computer stuff, you can get a bunch of bank wires, but now you've got to keep the money somehow. Bitcoin doesn't have that problem. You get to keep the money. So it's like a, the price increase plus computer security being a joke in general, plus you can keep your winnings without any effort makes attacking exchanges insanely profitable. So right now, 5.1 million addresses with over a dollar in them is a gigantic problem. And it means that a lot of people are exposing themselves to exchange risk that they don't need. And it also means we have a lot of room to grow, which is pretty cool. Uh, retail adoption's absolute joke. Uh, you know, you're gonna eat more costs in the bid ask spread and the purchase fees from an ATM or from a local Bitcoins transaction just to get your Bitcoin that you'll never recover on the other side selling them. So no intelligent person would purchase Bitcoin to actually use them unless they were availing themselves of the pseudo anonymity and like light ability to transact anonymously. You still have to do things to be protected. If you're, if you're using the coin for that, then it makes sense to pay a premium, right? Like if you're a dark net market guy, um, then it makes sense to pay premium. But if you're any other normal human being, the only use case that makes sense to purchase Bitcoin for is to buy it and hold it as a replacement for gold. And that's enough. You know, if Bitcoin is just a settlement layer and it's just a replacement for digital gold, that is more than enough value. That's 20,000 a coin minimum at 5% of gold's value. And that's without all of the extra possible future growth and alternative use cases such as dark nets, that would be just 5% of gold's, you know, hold value. So imagine how high the price will go when you can use it as a currency. Imagine how pr high the price will go when uh, the first nation state adopts it. Imagine how high the price will go when other little cryptos die from security problems or lack of circular economic uh, interaction. Like, there's a whole bunch of amazing, you know, we've got the best team, the longest track record, the most secure software, a network that's always up. You know, the Ethereum network's down often. You can't transact. The wallets turn their wallets off. Uh, the, the exchanges turn their wallets off. Geth and Parity disagree with each other. Huge code bloat. 
they've got a bigger blockchain, but magically now are still mining smaller blocks than Bitcoin is. So, you know, Bitcoin is the best cryptocurrency that exists and is is likely to be the best cryptocurrency that will ever exist. However, it's nowhere near its potential currently, which in my opinion makes it a great purchase. Okay. So it's bad, but it's getting better and the price is going to go up. So that's great. Most ICOs are terrible scams and most of the teams that are getting funded have never done anything good before. And the more money you give them, the more outrageous their claims, the more likely they are to fail. So you've got people being given too much money who don't know how to use it properly, that are trying to do the wrong things that the market won't reward anyway. So it's bad on a bunch of levels because when either the uh, people trying to do the thing stop trying to do it or uh, they get regulated out of existence or they find out that they uh, weren't capable of doing it or the market said, no, we don't want it, the prices are going to come down. And or when enough ICOs dump their Ethereum and there's a race for the exits, Ethereum goes to zero. Ethereum was zero not so long ago. You know, the Ethereum foundation was almost out of money. And then uh, with enough pumping from guys like Lubin, you eventually end up with uh, a lot of money and an ecosystem, which apparently has produced no successful distributed applications whatsoever. And is just a fancy way to, uh, to, I guess, play stupidity lottery. So, I mean, it's all fun and games until the music stops and people start searching for chairs. But when, when the race for the exits happens, you're going to be the last to find out about it because the, you know, a hundred people that hold the vast majority of Ethereum because all the idiots handed it to them, uh, you know, are going to know last, right? So for the same reason that Bitcoin price dumped 200 bucks today without you being warned about it is the same reason Ethereum will dump harder without you being warned about it. I mean, this has already happened. So GDAX flash crashed when some Ethereum holder hit sell, sold the whole order book and people's stop losses got executed at a penny, right? So you then you have to learn to do things like don't use stop market orders, you use stop limit orders, right? And even that isn't a perfect solution. So Ethereum is less retail adoption, more tax service, surface, competing implementations, smart contracts are worth nothing. A smart contract is just a program. That's all it is. And programs are only useful for manipulating inputs and inputs in a contract are data like stock prices. Like, oh, we're going to make a smart contract that, that trades stocks. Well, if you noticed earlier this year, the New York Stock Exchange published, published publicly incorrect stock prices for all of their stocks. So imagine if your smart contract was trusting the New York Stock Exchange to tell the truth about their prices. It might have been NASDAQ, but I think it was nice. Your contract would be screwed, your system would be screwed, and then some god would have to go back and fix the chain, which breaks the whole thing. So the reason that Bitcoin has existed for nine years or eight years and had only one successful app currency is because that's what it's good at. And the reason Ethereum has lasted for as long as it has and has no successful apps whatsoever is because it only has one successful use case, which is for a, a more standardized way to, uh, to issue new tokens. Now I am working on a token and I am going to use that ecosystem, which I disparage so very much, but uh, I'm going to do it as little as possible because I see it as a quite bad thing. You mentioned sure. something before. Do you have your own token coming out? What, what was that that you mentioned before? 
Yeah, I have a serial entrepreneur, inventor, physicist friend who's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he wrote his own computational fluid dynamic software, which is faster and more accurate than what everyone else uses right now. There's stagnation in the space. Everyone's been using the same software for 15 years. There's a single company that's got a 90% monopoly. And, uh, you know, if you want to overcome an incumbent in something like that, well, you got to use every tool you can to find advantage. And the advent of being able to create a, a giant supercomputing computational fluid dynamics network that you can just give a problem and it gives you the result faster and more accurately than the state of the art that already exists is like one of the few places where you can actually make the case for a new token. You're like, yep, it's a new network. It needs to be fast. It needs to be strong. And you know, this is what supercomputers are actually made for. So mining Bitcoin, that's not actually supercomputing. It's just doing the very stupidest, simplest math possible by design. Uh, however, doing real uh, computation, trying to predict, you know, aerosols, two-phase flow, heat, movement, turbulence, you know, all of those things, you know, that's, that's the reason everyone still uses Fortran. That's the reason uh, that we have these giant, giant, giant supercomputers is to do exactly that kind of stuff. So I love the idea of being able to have a token that, that is useful for something that's not just, you know, oh, look, a new token trade it or whatever. I love the real technical uh, necessity and breakthrough in it. So hopefully you'll be able to see a white paper within a week, I hope. Like I can at least get you the technical details on the stuff that's already built. You know, the software exists. It's not uh, vaporware. It's not, oh, we're going to build it. It already exists. It just needs a GUI and uh, a network behind it. So uh, I think uh, on Bitcoin, you're going to have confidential transactions and anonymity features built into it. And it's going to come from Bitcoin Core, and blockchains going to help build it, and they're going to support it, and they're they're real cypherpunks. And at the core of the cypherpunk ethos is user choice, user privacy, and empowering the individual, and not the state, and not the company, and not the collectivists. So real cypherpunks, they write code, and the code that they're going to write is going to be anonymity code, and it's going to go into Bitcoin. Furthermore, uh, replay attacks. If you take my speech on my network of choice that I choose to participate in and copy it and repeat it and scream it out into the world and do me harm with it, you are my enemy. If you perform a replay attack and repeat my speech to do me harm, you're an asshole and you should be punished for it. So if I were in a restaurant having a private conversation with somebody and you decided to roll up and stand next to me and listen to me and start yelling the rest of the restaurant what I was saying, you would be socially ostracized, if not worse. So I take replay attacks seriously, and I believe that they are attacks. And I think that more people should treat them as someone trying to fuck with your money. And that's, uh, you know, something that you don't do in most parts of the world. So uh, real supercomputer does cool stuff. Love it. Anonymity is coming. Replay attacks bad. Ethereum bad. Dump it. If you're going to buy Bitcoin, dips are a nice place to do it. And, uh, you know, I tell everyone don't trade, but if you are going to trade, do it one time and go long and that's it. So on my Twitter, I've got a link. It's like an aff link to BitMEX because they give you good margins. So you don't have to risk much on their system if they ever disappear and just take a small little bit of your stack 
and go two X long, five X long, and that's it. Don't ever trade again and don't panic sell and don't be dumb or, or don't trade at all. So that's all. Um, you know, Wall Street has a saying about people investing in stuff they don't know about. They call it dumb money. And I would have to say there's a lot of dumb money in the crypto space.